Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and welcome to the Two Scene Podcast. Welcome, first time listeners, to the Two Scene Podcast, the podcast where normally it's two aspiring journalists sit down and talk baseball. But today, I, the host, Tyler Foy, am doing a solo podcast that is. You know, obviously nothing that we've done before, but I felt it was really important to kind of do some draft analysis because to me, the draft is so important uh, simply because it's just so much different than the other drafts in the four major American sports because really anything can happen with these players because of how many levels that they have to climb and how many times we've seen so many busts it's so much more fun to me to actually try to make predictions about these players because i could be completely wrong or i could nail it and it's more um it's more rewarding i guess to me when i actually am able to have a good analysis on a draft pick uh, especially a first round draft pick in the mlb yeah so uh, weirdly enough i ended up in this situation to record just by myself so this is going to be a shorter episode but it is going to be pretty insightful i've gone into some pretty good research i guess i have some some interesting takes i will be giving a grade for every single team's draft pick and we'll be giving a little two cents on uh on why i i feel this way And starting off with the number one pick was the Baltimore Orioles. And there were a couple names that were were that were being talked about to go number one. And it was to me it really should have been between Drew Jones and Jackson Holiday, which it was, right? And the Baltimore Orioles went with Jackson Holiday. And that is his shortstop, lefty shortstop, son of Matt Holiday, you know. He's grown up around the game, but Drew Jones, on the other hand, also son of a major league baseball player, son of a very talented Andrew Jones. Um, he's, I think, even better than him. So when I went into who should have been drafted first in, in the Orioles, right, it's difficult to always draft like, or I guess to analyze the first few picks because, you know, always it's about they're going to pick the best player available. Um, but I felt like the Orioles did not succeed in doing that. I have them at a B plus for their draft pick. Um, but honestly, it could be a B or a B minus based off of their system. And I know that you want to have a variety of players in your, your system playing the same position because of that reason where I mentioned because baseball is just so difficult to predict somebody's skill set. And it's just so random on when a player might fall off and, and that the sort of peak of their, their talent. But their best prospects are, in fact, mostly pitchers, shortstop slash third basemen, and I guess on the lower end, outfielders as well. Now, Colton Kowser is a top three prospect of theirs, but I really look at their infield prospects to be kind of leading the way for for who represents the Baltimore prospect system and their pitchers, of course. But not a lot, I guess, to say about the Baltimore Orioles system. Uh, Adley Rushman now coming through the ranks. I think some of the other guys have made it through, so they're trying to kind of restock it ready. The Orioles have been on one heck of a run, right? Uh, so I wonder what's going to happen with Deadline, which if you guys listen into next week's episode or after the weekend episode, uh, we will be getting into that. But I just don't understand why or how they valued Jackson Holiday over Drew Jones. I think Drew Jones just had a better tool set. I think he has a higher ceiling. Um, now, that's not to take away from the ability and capability of Jackson Holloway. Uh, Holiday. Sorry. Um, he's absolutely has all, of, all the tools. Uh, I just think that there's a lot more question marks with his ability than Drew Jones. Uh, and for that reason, getting into the second pick, Arizona Diamondbacks, I have Drew Jones pick at A+. I think he should have gone number one. Uh, he's able to hit to all fields, right? He His swing path is so clean. Uh, they compared him on the broadcast to Tatis, and I thought that was proper. I, the Diamondbacks are in a situation as well where 
their prospects are not exactly all over the place. They do have their best prospect is Corbin Carroll, according to MLB's rankings, who is an outfielder. And the shortstop, Jordan Lawler, is number two. And then a bunch of different pitchers to fill out that rest of the their top ten in their system. Um, but once again, when you're at this stage, you got to go best available. Uh, and I don't know about Drew Jones versus Jackson Holiday's work ethic. I'm sure that played into somewhat when they had conversations. Perhaps Jackson Holiday wanted even less. That I don't feel like that was uh, a proper analysis of the of the slide. And we'll and we'll talk about finances at, in just one second when we get to the Texas Rangers pick. But Drew Jones, I feel, has this sort of he almost plays every game with a chip on his shoulder from from what i've seen from the film his energy he brings he seems so passionate uh, and with his potentials i just don't understand how he doesn't go number one in this situation but a plus pick for them and moving on to the rangers at number three this was a quite the shocker to me i was on the phone with one of my one of my best friends and i was I had no words. I was, I probably had one of the biggest gasps of my life while I was watching this draft, um, and I just, it was just so strange to me. The Rangers selected Kumar Rocker at the time. It was strange. I can understand it a little more now, but I still would have it as a C. And the reason I give Kumar Rocker and the Texas Rangers a C is not that I don't believe that Kumar Rocker will eventually help the Rangers. I like the storyline. You're reuniting Jack Leiter with, who is their best prospect, right? The Rangers' best prospect, with Kumar Rocker, who was just on Vanderbilt with them and drafted same year, of course. Didn't work out for Kumar with the Mets. He got a better deal. It's a nice story. He bet on himself to, to get more uh, than what they were giving him for his slot value because of the injury, right? He had a medical, failed the medical, right? Had to get surgery on his arm. But I don't understand how the Rangers can have so much faith in a player that is recovering from injury, has only pitched 20 innings, right? He pitched 20 innings in independent ball. And listen, we know that he's closer to development and he's closer to being a player that can help sooner than a lot of the other pitchers on the board. But I I just fail to acknowledge how they could have so much faith into Kumar Rocker due to the fact that his injury history, right, recently, um, depth of numbers, not enough there for me to be fully confident in Kumar Rocker. Um, but once again, they picked him because they wanted to save money on the slot, which they did, um, in the signing of Kumar Rocker, they were able to save about 2.2 in slot money, uh, when offering to him because they knew that Rocker as a player that was coming from the independent baseball league, didn't have any more chances with the draft. This was it. This was slash shot. Therefore they can lowball him and, most likely he's going to accept, especially once again with that injury history getting overpicked. But I got to put it at a C. It was dumbfounding me uh, for most of that top 10 draft picks. And once again, I want to preface, I, I don't dislike Kumar Rocker. I, I think once again, he's going to be a pick that is able to help them sooner rather than later for a lot of these different uh, prospects. But that's a big if he's able to help them because he still needs to make it all the way through their system. Moving on to the Pittsburgh Pirates, they picked uh, second baseman Termar Johnson. Uh, wants to play shortstop, he said in the interview. I don't know if that's going to happen for him in the organization that he just got drafted to. I have this one at a B to a B- minus range, but I will call it a B because I like Termar's skill set. I like what he could bring to any organization. I like that at the fourth pick, you got to go best available, but... Why not Elijah Green in this situation is what I have to ask to the Pittsburgh Pirates because looking at their organization depth, the the best prospects they have, O'Neill Cruz making a splash this year, shortstop. I don't know if he's going to play shortstop for um, a long period of time. It feels like he might be more suitable for third base um, in the future with that arm that he has. Maybe 
even moving to DH. Now, a lot of people talk about O'Neill Cruz's defense. I think his range in defense is actually pretty average. It's his arm that allows him to make for more flashy clips. That's just O'Neill Cruz. I don't need to talk about him. I'm here to talk about Termar and the Pittsburgh Pirates. Uh, they also have Nick Gonzalez, who's a second baseman, uh, in their top three prospects. And Lyover Piguero, who is a shortstop prospect in their top five. Why go with another infielder here if you're already stacking your organization in that manner? Uh, and you're seeing some of them come up already. So it, I'm getting a little lost on their thought process of getting um, an infielder in this situation. And I keep talking about that organizational depth, but I think at some points you have to figure out, well, we need more outfield depth here. Okay. We, we could pass on this. We have Henry Davis. He's our top prospect. He's a catcher. We don't need to go Kevin Parada right now. Um, going for a high school pitcher is extremely risky, um, but we can go with Elijah Green, who's a high school outfielder. Uh, who's going to help this organization out and create another dynamic to our system. But they went with Termar Johnson. I give it a B. Um, and really, I once again, I could go B- minus here, but feeling a little generous to the Pittsburgh Pirates because no matter what, I'm sure that he'll get traded just like most of their draft picks end up eventually. So moving on to the Nationals here was Elijah Green, outfielder. Um with the fifth pick there. Yeah, I I didn't hate this pick at all. I thought this was really good for the Nationals, especially since uh, there's a lot of talks about what's going to happen to Juan Soto. Uh, they've lost outfielders in the past, and I think they're trying to find a new outfielder that they can rely on in the future uh, to be their franchise player that I'm sure will get traded as well. But I, I really don't have much to say about this pick because I have it at an A. I don't have a lot to add to what their decision was um you know he has the contact he has the speed he's a prototypical you know center fielder uh, and i I think he's going to be a great uh, player for them and he helps their their organization now the miami marlins did have the sixth pick in the draft the next one and their pick was a little more interesting to me they went with jacob berry who is a switch-hitting third base slash right fielder. And the reason I find it interesting is because this style of player, Barry is a all-bat, barely-any-defense kind of player. Uh, very comparable to J.J. Bladet, who is on the Marlins currently. Um, can play, Once again, plays right field and third base, so he does have a little versatility. But his defense in either one of those positions are not elite level i guess they're not that they aren't exactly what i would call go get me tools right for this player there's there's something missing there with jacob berry but they are relying heavily on that bat which hey i don't mind that for the marlins right but they took a catcher last year uh and an infielder in khalil watson uh, first round so it can make sense to me why they could have passed on Elijah, could have passed on Kevin Parada. Uh, now that catcher is only 10th in their organization, but I didn't hate the Jacob Berry pick. I have it as a B. I just felt that with J.J. Bleday there, it's just so strange on, on what their, their plans are going forward, but pitching is mostly the their organizational depth at the moment. So going with another position player was probably a good idea for them. And yeah, have it at a B. Moving on to the Chicago Cubs, they picked right-handed pitcher out of high school, Cade Horton. Just like many of the other pitchers in this draft, he has had injury history. Uh, And one of the more interesting things about Cade Horton is I don't think he was the best high school pitcher in this draft. But with that being said, they must have liked something about Cade Horton because his stats uh, at the beginning of the year to the end of the year uh, was a steady incline, like just throughout his high school career. Maybe um, I looked at a few things. I didn't give, I guess, too much depth into my research for Cade Horton, uh, but he seemed like he was on a steady incline of continuously improving, which must have made the Cubs think that 
one, he's continuously improving, but also that he's coachable. And maybe that was something that they found in their interviews with Cade Horton uh, that they found out during you know the showcases and such. But I like this pick for the Cubs because their pitching depth in their organization. Now, they don't have... They do not have a great farm system by any means, which is why I think that the Cubs either had to be set on a player, had to go best available here. They needed to do something that they didn't need. They didn't have a certain position that they really needed to hit in this draft. Um, so going with a pitcher here makes the most sense. They didn't have an on-field position that they needed to hit this draft. So pitching prospect, those are always, you know... I feel like with pitching prospects, prospects specifically, there's a lot more busts than there are um, gems, right? But I think that's par for the course. You know, a lot of pitchers uh, get drafted. They turn to relievers down the line. Injuries are a major factor for pitchers, um, which once again, Kate Orton already has had a major injury. He had Tommy John surgery. So, But six out of the top eight pitchers in the draft already had had Tommy John surgery as well so it's just I guess part of the culture now is our high schoolers getting Tommy John just get it out of the way type deal I mean I know you can get it again but it, it was a little strange when I heard that statistic I have it as a B plus though I like the Cubs picking Kate Horton um, but I didn't like the twins going with Brooks Lee as much as I liked um the Cubs going with Cade Horton, which the Twins had the next pick in the eighth pick, eighth overall. They went with Brooks Lee, who's a shortstop switch hitter. Um, I just felt that Brooks Lee wasn't the best available infielder at the time. If they were going to pick an infielder and they were set on trying to get an infielder, I don't think Brooks Lee was exactly the guy that I had in mind. He's a little bit average on the hitting spectrum, just average across the board on the scouting report that they showed. Uh, and from what I found, that's it's kind of what um, is being said about him. They're, I feel like maybe it's a more safe pick, they feel, with Brooks Lee. Uh, he played in the Cape, did very, very well there. Um, switch hitting shortstop adds that versatility in the lineup, and hopefully he has that range that they're asking for. But the... The Twins' best two prospects are Royce Lewis and Austin Martin. Austin Martin now is learning how to play outfield more uh, than shortstop, but those two are both shortstops they've drafted within the last couple years. So they're going for another shortstop first-round draft pick. You know, I might even have it as a C-plus if I didn't think that it was a safer pick. But I don't know. I just Maybe I do have it as a C-plus now that I'm talking about it more. I just don't feel like this pick benefits them that much uh, besides the fact that he's a switch hitting shortstop. Uh, Royce Lewis is going to come up. Noah Miller, he's the sixth best prospect in their system. Another infielder, Spencer Steer, is the seventh. Um, obviously, I feel that Brooks Lee is probably going to slot in maybe fourth in their organization. Uh, and some of these guys are coming up, right? I look at the ETAs on MLB's prospect rankings, and they say 2022, 2022, 2022, 2023 for a lot of these people. But they must not have that type of faith in, in Royce Lewis to hold down shortstop. Um, eventually, maybe he they're going to think about Brixley for second base, um, potentially outfield. Maybe that's what they saw in him. But as a shortstop draft pick, this is a C-plus pick for the Twins. I mean, they, they could have done a lot better. The Kansas City Royals had the ninth pick in the draft, and they went with outfielder Gavin Cross, which I saw a couple organizations having them or having Gavin Cross on their mock draft for the Royals. Um, so they must have been must have been talks or rumors that Gavin Cross was one of their top players on their board. He's a most likely going to be right or left fielder. He's a corner outfielder. That's the important part. And what's important is that the Royals didn't select a pitcher. They've selected a pitcher, I think, four years in a row with their first-round pick. I can't say that they've struck gold multiple times with their pitchers in the first round, and not a lot of teams do. That's why picking a pitcher in the first round is sort of is kind of a rare move for most organizations. In fact, this year had the lowest amount of pitchers picked 
or chosen in the first round since 1976. That's how position player heavy this draft was, though, uh, which is why I did give them a B for going for the position player. Um, I just don't know if I fully believe in Gavin Cross as that type of um, bat that they needed. Right field is an important position. Don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. I think that there might have been a better idea going with Kevin Parada for them. Uh, drafting a catching prospect, Salvador Perez is going to be out of the league soon, I feel. Maybe not out of the league, um, but he's definitely deteriorating as a player. He had an amazing career year last year, but the lifespan on catchers in the major leagues is not typically a long one. Um, and, and I do think that he has some injury problems, and this year he's batting two eleven. I think going with Kevin Parada would have been a better pick for them. But instead, they went with Gavin Cross. It's a little bit of a, you know, it's a B pick. It's it's okay. It's okay for them. Uh, and he's gonna he's gonna hopefully bring some offense to that Royals team. The Colorado Rockies had the tenth pick, and they selected um, Gabriel Hughes. I like this. It's an A for me. Uh, I think this team needed a pitcher to draft. Um, so often they go with position players because it is uh, Colorado. It's a hitter's ballpark. Might as well keep grabbing hitters. But no, they should have gotten a pitcher. They went for a pitcher, Gabriel Hughes. Now, the reason I like Gabriel Hughes is because similar in a Kumar Rocker sense, he's a pretty much built package already. This guy can help a team in one to two years with the right coaching and with the right development. But that's the thing. He doesn't have that much more development to go. So his ceiling isn't exactly, you know, the potential isn't five stars here. Um more of that you're more sure that he'll be you know a potential all-star though player in the future uh his slider is magnificent honestly i love watching this guy slider but yeah i have it i want to save this one make it a little more quicker because i have talked a bit about these top 10 because you know the top 10 draft picks are so important Uh, but i do have a lot to say about the remaining 22 that i have so gabriel hughes that's an a now the mets I love this pick, and it's weird that I like this pick because I like this pick for contradictory reasons for myself, right? So the Mets went with Kevin Parada, the best catcher prospect in the draft. Catching prospects, rare to come by, um, you know, good catchers in the MLB. There's not a lot of guys that I can say are absolutely, like, cornerstone franchise player catchers for their organization um this guy kevin parada has some work to do on his defense which has been getting better but what obviously he is he's a bat right he's a batting catcher just came out of georgia tech georgia tech has a long history of producing very 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 pristine catchers um including joey bart who's a prospect right now jason veritek who i'm a big fan of surprise surprise but, you know, now Kevin Parada gets drafted 11th by the Mets. And the Mets' best prospect is Francisco Alvarez, which is why a lot of people would now come to me and say, well, now you're just being a hypocrite. You talk about uh, why shouldn't you draft a shortstop three times in a row. And here, yo, you drafted a new catcher, your best catching prospect. But I think that catchers are different in the sense. And I'm also going to con- contradict myself when I get to the A's. But it's a little different. Um when it comes to catchers, I feel there's so much margin for error uh, when it comes to developing catchers that having catcher depth in the system is actually beneficial, especially when you get to the major league level and, well, I guess at any level, and these catchers aren't playing every day, right? Very often you're going to have catchers playing on a maybe one guy catches every five games or so. Um, so to have that kind of backbone as a backup catcher is extremely important for success especially because the man is literally controlling balls and strikes um so i don't hate having two catching prospects especially if they're top dogs uh james mccann is this a is this a sign that james mccann is going to be out of this team now that they have two catching prospects uh is this a sign that they're going to go for juan soto uh, and give up alvarez i don't know what it exactly means but 
I do like this pick. I have it as an A+. I love the Kevin Parada pick for the Mets. I can't say I like the next pick, uh, but that's 14th. We're moving to number 12, the Detroit Tigers. They selected Jace Jung, uh, a righty second baseman who has some good contact. He's a low-range infielder. Um, and I don't like this pick because I felt like the Tigers should have gone best available here. They went for organization. They went for it. We need a second baseman because we have... Riley Green coming up. We already have Casey Mice. We have Jackson Jovi, who's going to be up in a season or two. We have uh, Torkelson. Uh, did I mention him? He's already up. He can play corners. They have some other corner infielders. But I really think they should have went Cam Collier here. Jace Jung just doesn't do it for me on the second baseman. If they wanted to draft a potential second baseman to fill in their hole in their organization, uh, I just feel like he wasn't the guy. I don't know. I just don't feel too strongly about him. Maybe Cole Young. He seems to have some pretty good range here. This guy is not a good defender. He's a okay bat that is going to be a contact hitter. Um, maybe he develops better in the in their system. But I don't know. I just I feel like maybe an outfield prospect. Maybe you go with uh, Justin Crawford here. That's a big risk and a big risk that is. Uh, Chase Delauder went in 16th overall. He could have been picked at this position, but mostly Cam Collier I think should have been picked right here for the the Detroit Tigers. I have this as a B minus. They filled a position need, but I just don't feel like he was the guy to do it. Uh, 13th pick was the Los Angeles Angels, and I started off with disliking this pick a lot. I just didn't know, you know, the direction that they should have gone. I started liking it the more I talked about it, the more I thought about it. They went with shortstop Zach Neto. Uh, has a big leg kick, flashy style. Did amazing in the Cape League. Um, and I rate this a B plus. Now, last year, the Angels selected 20 pitchers in 20 rounds. That is no joke. They selected 20 pitchers in 20 rounds. So, you probably think it's a joke that I say... You know, maybe they should have drafted a pitcher in this round. And I'm not even kidding when I say that. I think they should have drafted a pitcher with this round. Because even though that would have made 21 straight pitchers drafted, and I don't know how the end of the 2019 draft ended, um, their top prospect is a starting pitcher. But there's only two pitchers. Oh, sorry. There's only three pitchers in their top 10. In their top 30, now there's... At least, I think that's 15, maybe. No, that's probably even 20 as I'm looking at this list. 20 of their top 30 prospects are pitchers. But what I'm getting from their organization is they have a lot of pitcher depth, sure. But they're not elite. They're not elite prospects. This is an opportunity to get an elite prospect, I think so. Draft pick is draft pick is 13. Um, you know, the Angels... Have had some decent luck with the draft. Uh, well, maybe they. Maybe I'm just thinking about Trout. But I mean, Joe Adele, Brandon Marsh, I believe, were drafted by them. Um, and I think that the shortstop option in Zach Neto was not their best bet. But I liked the more that I looked into Zach Neto, the more I liked his attitude towards playing. Uh, his passion for the game. Uh, obviously, they don't have a shortstop that's locked down right now uh, in other positions they do have players that are locked in like trout and otani well otani is not but that's a that's a free agency question mark right there um but i, I like it as a b plus and that's all i'm really going to say about it zach Neto, 13th overall now the mets had another pick 14th overall here this one i didn't like as much as their last one i have it as a c jet williams now Jet Williams, very versatile fielder. Uh, quick hands with the bat. Uh, he's quick in the field. Uh, he's probably going to be a future second baseman for them. I compare Jet Williams to Jeff McNeil, who they have on the team. Just was an all-star. He even started the all-star game. But this is the second pick in three rounds, four rounds for the Mets. Why not risk more with this pick? Jet Williams is pretty safe, but... They have an elite pitching staff right now. I think this would have been the perfect situation to draft a young high school pitcher, high risk, high reward situation when you're actually betting on a player. And you're betting on Jet Williams here to do pretty well. Uh, hey, so what? Maybe he does. 
But I just don't think Jet Williams is a future all-star. I don't think he's the guy that's going to change the course of Mets history. Uh, I think they should have went Dylan Lesko, who went next. Um, I think they should have went with Brandon Barreria, who went for the Blue Jays. He should have went with a pitcher in this with this pick. That's how I feel about it. I think it would have been a good risk pick, especially with their injury history with their pitchers in general. Uh, I think it would have been smart to do so. But they went with Jet Williams. I have it as a C. Sorry to Jet Williams and Mets. But hey, your first pick was great. Uh, the San Diego Padres had the 15th pick, and as I mentioned, they picked high school pitcher Dylan Lesko. Uh, some said he was the best high school pitcher in the draft. Now, he got Tommy John, just like Cade Horton, um, and just like, you know, all the other pitchers in this draft. Um, he sits mid-90s out of high school. He's a fastball changeup guy, uh, and that's a little dangerous because he's a fastball changeup guy, and he only has a third pitch that he doesn't use very often, and mostly because people say he doesn't have to. Uh, but not using your third pitch, and even at a high school level, uh, I think is a little means that you've done little development on it. I haven't seen it in use that much. Um, but I put this as a B plus for the Padres. They have such a diverse system. It's hard to be like, oh, where's their holes? I think they went best available for the pitchers here. Uh, I think, you know, best available is still Cam Collier at this point. But I guess maybe if they were thinking, hey, we want to get a pitcher in this draft, uh, they went with the best one that they thought. And I have no issues with it. B plus to A minus pick right there by the San Diego Padres. Good for Dylan Lesko. More on him later in this uh, draft talk. Uh, with the 16th pick, the Cleveland Guardians selected Chase DeLauder, 6'5", lefty, uh, high-risk, high-reward player again. He's a guy that has a lot of potential on the power side, not a bunch of a fielder. You know, he's a prototypical right field, corner outfield build in the day today's baseball, right? He's low eye, doesn't walk too much, hits home runs, low batting average maybe. Maybe he's going to average like... 245 to 255 hitter in the major leagues when he's fully developed. Uh, I don't hate Chase Slaughter as a pick. I have it as a B. Um, I don't have much to say about Chase Slaughter, but I do have a lot to say about the Phillies' next pick, who they draft, drafted Justin Crawford. Uh, and I, 17th overall, by the way. And in any other situation, I would love the Justin Crawford pick, but just not for the Phillies. The Phillies need, and I mean need, they, they selected a pitcher last round. Uh, not last round, sorry, last year, Andrew Payne, best prospect that they have is a pitcher. Sure, that's great. But you need more. And maybe, you know, Justin, oh, sorry. Yeah, Justin Crawford, maybe he goes on and becomes an amazing all-star MVP candidate player. That's great. That's amazing. Good for him. He's a high schooler. He has pretty much 70, um, so the, if you guys don't know the prospect ratings, it goes from 0 uh, to 80. He basically has 70 speed, 70 fielding. You know, his contact's at a 50, 55 area, 45 a little bit is a below average. But, you know, he's got good potential to him. He's just got a long road ahead of him because he's got a lot of development. You know, he's very comparable to his father, Carl Crawford. But this organization needed a pitcher. I'm sorry. Uh, this is a C pick for me, maybe C plus. Justin Crawford is a good prospect to risk it on, but the Phillies didn't need to risk. They needed to go with something a little more safer to help them out. Um, they have Bryce Harper in the outfield already. Yes, I know. That's just one outfield spot. Justin Crawford's going to play center field eventually. Um, but also, there is a lot of risk with a player like this, a high schooler. Uh, is he going to develop or not? So... I don't know. I, I, I don't feel too strong about it. Uh, the Cincinnati Reds selected Cam Collier. He fell all the way to 18th. I don't have much to say about it besides that this is an A pick for the Reds. And when I talk about the Reds, they need to just grab anything. They need to grab best available this entire draft because they don't have a system to work with anymore. They've given away their entire team. So they're in a complete rebuild mode right now. So I don't hate this pick. I mean, I love this pick. This is an A, Cam Collier fell down this far that's insane now the oakland athletics i have a lot to say about them uh, i'm going to keep it a little quick because it is a contradictory sentence there are two best prospects in this organization is shang langliers and tyler soderstrom they are both catchers they drafted daniel susak who's a catcher um six four righty has a cannon of an arm poor eye but a big bat um another one of those prototypes i guess but 
three catcher prospects. Let's say potentially their top three prospects are catchers now. They have made themselves the home, right? And I said it, hey, you got to have multiple catching prospects because you don't know what's going to work with any of them. But that is under the impression that you have other positions uh, figured out, right? That is under the impression that you, as an organization, have players to play other positions, not just catcher. The athletics are not in the position to go out and draft a third catching prospect they need to fill out the ah, you know what this is a c this is a c for the athletics i'm not going to get too much into it i think you guys know where i'm going with this the athletics you guys have so many holes to fill yet you just what you're focusing on only one and maybe it's going to work out maybe this is their grand plan is to draft all the catchers hold all the catchers and then trade for a big player that to a team that needs a catcher Uh, i think the red sox should actually trade for like try to trade for tyler soderstrom or something like that but moving on to the 20th pick, the Atlanta Braves selected Owen Murphy. He's a right-handed pitcher out of high school. He's, I don't know if he was the best pitcher left, um, but he is a prototypical Braves pitcher that they've selected, like Freed and Soroka and, and pitchers like that. Um, he's very similar to them. So maybe that was something that they looked at. They were like, huh. This guy is very comparable to what we already have and what has worked for us in the past, so we want to go Owen Murphy here. Uh, I didn't have much to say about it. I just said it was a B, you know, maybe a pitching prospect. They have a lot of great bats, so there's no reason to try to stack another position like that. But I didn't feel too strongly against or for it. Uh, The Seattle Mariners, they selected Cole Young, who's a lefty shortstop, and he's an absolute athlete. I mean, I watched this guy field, and he's, he's... just so clean with his his defense, uh, his range is good. He's got you know a high ceiling in the contact area. Now he's not a power shortstop. Maybe he'll develop it. Um, but I really like this pick. I just think that I like Cole Young, which is gonna hurt my grading. Uh, but hey, Seattle Mariners, I think you guys did a great job with this pick. Uh, you guys didn't need to get an outfielder. Um, all the both catchers were gone. Uh, maybe a pitcher would have been a good idea, but this shortstop option, uh, 21, Cole Young, I, I like it. I like it a lot. It's a A for me. Uh, now, we're going to get into a couple A's in a row, actually. The Cardinals selected uh, left-handed pitcher Cooper uh, Sherp, I think is how you pronounce it. Um, he has great command. Uh, he's MLB ready is what I have down in my notes, and what I mean by that is the same way with Coom with Kumar Rocker and and Gabriel Hughes, is that he doesn't need to develop that far because he's a pitcher out of college. They drafted a college pitcher. Um, Maybe the Cardinals could have taken more risk, but why? Why for this organization who's so close to making the postseason, this is an obvious pick for them that they want to help the organization sooner rather than later. Um, He's got a funky arm angle with a good slider. They compared him to Hayter. Maybe this guy falls out of the rotation, but maybe he becomes like their future closer like Hayter is or something like that. Um, But I like it. They went A- minus with it. Once again, I think they could have risked maybe a little more, but um, that's only because the pitcher that went right after him for the Toronto Blue Jays was Brandon Barrera, who's from uh, the sister school to where I went, uh, American Heritage Plantation, uh, he's in the mid to number mid to upper 90s as a left-handed pitcher, and I really like this pick for the Blue Jays. But I hated it because I wanted the Red Sox to pick Brandon Barrera. I think he would have been perfect. The Red Sox needed a pitcher. This guy went off the board right before it. Uh, I think this guy has a great ceiling. He stopped playing in his high school season because Dylan Lesko got injured, which is super interesting to me that he saw another prospect pitcher, the best one, best high school prospect uh, in this draft to a lot of people, or no, I guess not high school prospect, but high school pitching prospect. Um, he's, he's a friend of his. He saw him get injured, and he said, you know what? I'm shutting it down into the draft. Um, I don't know if that hurt his draft stock at all, but... Man, this is a great pick for the Blue Jays. They didn't need to grab a position player. They're pretty stacked on every single position there. Uh, why not have more pitching depth in their organization? High school pitcher, he's going to take a little bit. He was very compar- comparable to um, Alec Manoa, who has had an amazing season for them, an outstanding season for them. 
and he's just going to continue to grow, right? So uh, he's very high ceiling pitcher, and I like this pick a lot. This is an A plus to me. Uh, congrats to the Blue Jays on snubbing the Red Sox here because the Red Sox had the very next pick. I have this pick as the lowest grade of the entire draft. The entire draft. And maybe I'm a little biased because I just didn't like the pick. But I really don't see this one. The Red Sox went with shortstop slash middle infielder Mikey Romero, who was 57th ranked prospect. Maybe he's a gem. Maybe he is. But going with a middle infielder did not make sense to me. F-U-R, the Red Sox organization. What? Okay, so let's back this up. Two years ago, Bloom comes in. He drafts Nick York. That was a surprise pick, but it made sense because he wanted Blaze Jordan. He wanted to be lower on the slot. He went with somebody since they didn't have a second round pick. It was an interesting way to go about it. I don't hate it. I didn't hate it. Um, the next year, fourth round draft pick or fourth overall pick, he has Marcelo Meyer, shortstop again or middle infielder again. I'm like, okay, all right, we're really starting to build it up here. We're building up this middle infield depth. Uh, so Nick York, now we got... Marcelo Meyer, and this year, right out of the bat, what does this team need? This team needs a pitching prospect that we can rely on, uh, at least somebody that we can hope for, because uh, Brian Bayo did not do great in his first few starts, and I think they rush his development so much, uh, and I'm a little angry about that. But I'm thinking the entire way, I'm like, okay, Heim's going to pick a pitching prospect. But no. Nowhere near did he pitch a pitching prospect. He pecked another middle infielder. This does not help us, especially when you just signed Trevor Story, who's a middle infielder, second base. Uh, I want them to re-sign Bogarts. Does this mean that they have no confidence in re-signing Bogarts? Is, is, this, is this a sense that we are stacking middle infield because we have no idea what's going to happen with our current shortstop? I did not like this pick. We already have uh, a second baseman. We have a shortstop. We didn't need Mikey Romero. I'm sorry, but this is a D. This is just a bad pick. Um, the Yankees picked right after the Red Sox. Uh, with the 25th pick, they went with Spencer Jones. He's a lefty right fielder who's 6'7". 6'7", you say? Sounds familiar. A right fielder who's 6'7 on the Yankees? Is this Judge's replacement? He's got similar type of builds besides the fact that he's a lefty. Uh, he's a big power bat. I don't know. I don't have much to say about Jones besides I put it as a B. Uh, I didn't know how to really rank it because if he is literally the guy that's going to come up from behind Judge at some point, then I guess this is a good pick. Uh, I have it as a B. I didn't have much to say about that one. Uh, the Chicago White Sox picked next. They went with left-handed pitcher Noah Schultz, 6'9". Big, big pitcher, 6'9", out of high school. Uh, and... Interesting enough, you think uh, when you see big pitchers, you think big power pitchers, right? Uh, no, this guy's more movement based, uh, and I think it comes from his high arm angle. He's able to get so much more spin on his curveball, uh, and because it, it comes from so high, that's just like a bigger drop to, for hitters to hit. So I don't know. I didn't. I, there wasn't much that I think the White Sox need to do besides they need to damn play better um, in their organ in their in their division right now. Uh, I have that one as an A because I think a pitching prospect is something that the White Sox needed. Uh, and after this point, you know, after the Red Sox pick, I tell you what, my grades were getting kind of skewed. I was I was quite furious about the Red Sox pick because um, it just was unnecessary. Uh, the Brewers had the 27th pick, and they went with Eric Brown, shortstop. I felt like I gave this one a B-, and I only gave Milwaukee a B- because I think they should have drafted the guy who went next after them. Uh, I didn't feel that this shortstop option was going to... I just don't see too much upside, I guess, with Eric Brown Jr., um, and I'm, I could be completely wrong about him. I could be completely wrong about this entire board that I have driven, uh, written out. But Eric Brown Jr. just doesn't sell me. Uh, so B minus to B, I think there's a lot of ways that the Milwaukee Brewers could have taken this draft pick. And they should have gone with Drew Gilbert, who's a lefty center fielder who was drafted right after it with the 20th pick by the Houston Astros, uh, comparable to Kyle Tucker. Uh, comparable to many different players that the Astros like to pick. And 
I know how much people relentlessly hate the Astros. But one thing I can say positively about the Astros is their player development is off the charts. I mean, in the last few, not last few, I guess in the last like seven, eight seasons, we've seen their development on Altuve, Correa, uh, Bregman, Springer, Tucker, Jordan, to name just a few infielder, not prospects, but infielders and outfielders for them. Um, Yuli Gurriel, too, he was nothing until... He had his time with the the Astros. They have an insane player development track, uh, so they must have an insane scouting department. Uh, Drew Gilbert, I think, is a great speed, great contact, has a absolute cannon from the outfield. He's good range in center field. Uh, there's not much to hate about uh, to hate about Drew Gilbert. I have him as an A uh, right here. So. This is a really good pick for the Astros. Uh, now, the Tampa Bay Rays did something that the Tampa Bay Rays would obviously do. They selected Xavier Isaac, a first baseman with a big frame. Could have won second round, maybe. He was ranked 94th on the prospect list. 6'4", 240 lefty. Um, but, see, the thing about drafting a power-hitting first baseman that is low in defense is that you're really hoping that he's going to be a 40 home run hitter that's batting like 230 in the league. And I simply don't believe that with your first round draft pick, you should be selecting a guy that you want to have do something similar to that, especially because he's not going to do that. No offense to Xavier Isaac. I just, I think that there that he's very far off of that in terms of his potentials uh that i'm just speaking about what the rays most likely hope for out xavier isaac uh, maybe they see areas where they can improve and listen the rays have an insane player development system as well turning nobodies into some things right um but xavier isaac i don't know i just don't feel too good about this pick uh first baseman with this type of build typically don't fare well uh in first round draft picks from what i've seen in my research so i have this as a b minus selection to a c plus you know what i'm gonna say i haven't had enough c's anyways so a c plus for the uh, tampa bay rays on this pick right here uh with the 30th pick to round out the first round the san francisco giants selected reggie crawford who is a two-way player a left-handed pitcher and a first baseman out of yukon um he had Tommy John surgery last year, but when he wasn't injured with uh, the Tommy John surgery, he was throwing high 90s, and he even clocked at uh, 101 on the radar gun. So he's got a lot of speed, a lot of miles per hour coming at you when he's on the mound. And when he's at the plate, which was all last season because he wasn't pitching, he hit like 350. He was one of the best players. He was the best hitter on UConn for sure. Um, and it's a big risk, right? Selecting a two-way player, but I have it as a, but I have it as a, a B. And the reason I don't have it, I got A. Like I don't think I think it's a high risk, high reward situation for the Giants. And I I don't know whether or not they they really needed that. Um, but I have it as a B. It was a good pick. Uh, it was a decent pick. <laughs> the Colorado Rockies. I'm coming up on my time limit here, so we got two more picks left. The Rockies with 31st overall pick selected Sterling Thompson. Uh, I felt that this was, it was, I think for the Rockies, it was good. They went with a pitcher earlier. Now they get a big lefty second baseman with some defensive versatility uh, and could potentially move to the outfield for them. Uh, he was another player where the, his season kept getting better and better and better. Uh, so he kept growing. So he's coachable is, is another thing. Uh, Sterling Thompson, um, I think it's a, I think it's an A for the Rockies here. I think the Rockies had a pretty good draft, uh, but not as good of a draft as the Cincinnati Reds did, who went with Sal Stewart, uh, third baseman who's got power from the right side. Uh, he might not sign. Is my is my worry about it? Is that he's got a high asking price because he's best available again. And you might be saying, hey, Tyler, they drafted two third basemen right away. You, you're, you're, you're okay with this? They drafted two third basemen in this draft in the same round? Of course, these are compensatory picks. Um, but yes, that's the answer to your question. Um, once again, 
this organization has literally nowhere to go. Um, they have no direction. They are picking on best available and best available only right now. Uh, and I'm glad they stuck to their guns on it. I have this as a, I have this as a B plus right here. But on the other hand, as much as I like this pick, I like their idea. Uh, I liked it more than the Rockies. I actually have a lower grade for it because of that signability reason. Uh, I don't know how much the draft budget they have um, for their organization. I'm, I presume it must be very high, um, but there is a good chance that they might not lock Sal Stewart up on a contract here. So, so that for that reason, I actually have it down as a B plus. That rounds out the first round before the competitive balance picks, which I'm not going to get into in grade. Uh, so that does it. That's my draft analysis. We're going to have another episode coming out soon that's going to be covering the trade deadline with a special guest, um, a friend of mine and Camilo. And Camilo will be, be most likely, hopefully, be back the next episode. So you won't have to just listen to me talk for uh, 50 minutes to an hour. You'll have two people that you're going to have to suffer listening to if you want to make it through the end of these podcasts. Um, but that's going to do it for this episode. Uh, I appreciate you guys for listening to me uh, alone, and maybe I can get some feedback on solo episodes going further. I talked about the first few draft picks a little much, but I feel like the one those are the ones that people kind of care about more. They want to hear about the top 10. But really, in baseball, anybody in this draft can make an impact on a team. And in the same time frame, really, it's, it's not about if your first pick, you're going to be in the major leagues before somebody in the fifth round. No, this is this is that's just not how baseball minor league systems work. Uh, that's not how player development works in, in baseball, uh, which is why I love it so much. But with that being said, I've been Tyler Foy. You can find me on Twitter at Tyler underscore underscore Foy. Uh, currently, I am a writer for the Boston Globe, so you can read up on my stories there. I just recently made a piece about uh, draftees, uh, MLB draftees that were from the New England area. Uh, wrote a little bio on a few of them, and there were some interesting people, including Reggie Crawford, uh, who obviously is from UConn, so... He was an important person in that, uh, in that story. But with that being said, I wish you all the best and hope to see you guys for the next episode.